0: Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship and that we are, in fact, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But I want to say this. We're not saved by our works. We're saved, and then as a result, good works follow. You don't want to get the cart ahead of the horse. Uh, we can't earn our position with God. It's a gift that must be received. Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren, I wanna unpack this and basically reiterate this to you, but my outline is God is good, God is powerful, and God is present. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy of the church, there's an enemy that hates God and hates the people of God. His name is the devil. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. We're informed to not give the devil an opportunity to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. We're not to be overly preoccupied with the devil and demons, But nor are we to ignore this. Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. We are not ignorant of his schemes. By standing firm and by this kind of moment, by being equipped in the word just for a little compressed period of time on a Sunday, a little of this could go a long way. To fortify us, to make us cognizant and aware of who God is and who we are in God the nature of spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a human battle, and the enemy keeps trying to bait people into these lesser battle zones. We wrestle not against human beings, but against principalities, powers, rulers of this darkness, and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And yet we're not left alone. We're to put on the whole armor of God in order that we may stand. And having done all to stand, we stand. And we put on the belt of truth, and the word of God is the truth. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John said, I have no greater joy than when I hear that you're walking in the truth. And even today, the truth is being challenged. Like that's your truth or my truth. Relativism is trying to crowd out the black and white absolutes of God and bring it into a muddy gray. And yet, the Lord has called us to understand Uh, that there is righteousness available, but there's sin in the world. But thank God Jesus, who was innocent and pure, took our sin, took the brunt of the shame and the guilt of it and the sentence of death because God didn't want us all to die and go to hell. He sent his son, Jesus. God, in fact, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the unique person of the universe and gave him. This was his foreknowledge and his pre-plan. He said, I'm gonna have a rescuer come in And set a precedence. And then that uh, impact is going to reverberate throughout the generations. And the church of the Lord Jesus, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, which is fantastic. Because it's right here. And then it's local, it's regional, it's national, it's global and it's transgenerational. This gospel of the kingdom, this is gospel, it's good news. I don't dare get up and preach condemnation because in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't dare waste my precious moment with you articulating unnecessary judgment and condemnation when the judge of the universe has decided to pour out his wrath on Jesus. He was pleased to crush him because he knew what it would do. He was not a sadomasochist. He did it because he knew what ultimately would come. And Jesus was willing to do it because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. When he was on the cross, and he didn't condemn the, the thief that was on the other cross. When he was in his earthly ministry and the woman was caught in the act of adultery, he said, where are your accusers? She said, nowhere. I said, neither do I condemn you go and sin no more. Her life was forever changed. He didn't condemn Zacchaeus when he climbed the tree. He provided help and answers for him to get out of his business corruption and get back on track, make amends and go out and make a meaningful difference in the world. We're still talking about the young man today. If anyone is in Christ, he or she becomes a brand new creation. Why? Because God is good and he's powerful and he's present. I am committed to the Christian movement Because Jesus is at the head of it. I'm fascinated by Jesus. He's not some big gilded mythological character for me. He's not one of the superheroes that I see like on the Avengers or the X-Men. Jesus is the unique person of the universe. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Don't you appreciate that when you're nervous? that the Prince of Peace can show up? Aren't you excited that when there was a storm on Galilee, Jesus was asleep on a pillow, furnishing clarity that we could trust God come hell or high water? Don't you appreciate we're even in a church that had hell and high water a few years ago, and it was filled with muddy, nasty, putrefied water? But then that stagnancy pushed out And then God fostered something. It fertilized our church with answers in the midst of terrible problems. We weren't victims. We were victors. We understood the devastation of a natural disaster. But we also understood that God is a very present help in trouble. He's good. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Say it again. The Lord is good and his mercy endures, say it in this great house. Let's say it all together, ready? The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The word mercy, pay attention to this, In the original Hebrew is the word hesed. Hesed doesn't just mean mercy or loving kindness or grace as is translated in the English Bible. It includes that, but it means something of a covenant from the Middle Eastern life of devotion, of rigid dedication, of the imperative to be a faithful person of your word. That when people entered into a covenant, not like modern America or modern Europe, where people renege on their contracts and, 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 and back out of their word, uh, God's word is his bond. He doesn't lie. He changes not. He cements himself to these things. He, he swears it to his own hurt. He's so faithful, so trustworthy, so reliable beyond what we've ever seen in our human existence. He is the most faithful. All the amazing physics laws like orbit and gravity and some of these amazing things that we're learning all emanate from God and the reason they're trustworthy is because the creator who created them made them nice and ironclad but he is all the more ironclad all heaven and earth will pass away all these things, shakeable things will be removed but we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken because we're serving a king of kings and lord of lords the king whose throne is forever and ever whose word is awesome and true he's provided it for us inspired by the Holy Spirit he's preserved it Through all the hostility, people refused to print the Bible for people. People had to clandestine go and print Bibles and get them out to the people. People tried to stop. The devil tried to stop it. But the word of God is not imprisoned. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And the word of God is forever settled in heaven. So we come together in this moment, in this big spiritual conflict of life, spiritual battles around about us, But we are the redeemed of the Lord, and we come back into the presence of God with a confidence because he's good. We know in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth, but then he saved the best for last. And He, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teamed up in the beginnings of time and space and said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea that we just created, the fowls of the air. And and let them have authority and dominion. And I'll, let us make man in our image. Male and female, he created us. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Be good stewards. Be faithful. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with one another. Be creative. Be fruitful. Be productive. Live your life. Live big. Live huge. God's big. Our Redeemer lives. He gave us choices. Though. But the first thing he did was he blessed humanity. And he gave us free will. What? The theologians call free moral agency. This is agreed upon throughout the whole orthodoxy of the church, all the denominations, that there's free will, free moral agency. And with it, there was a tragic forfeiture. Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil saying, did God really say this? Does God really love you? Are you really made in his image, challenging their value, challenging their destiny? challenging the very reliable faithfulness of God and even God's love. And Eve succumbed and Adam succumbed to the temptation. They disobeyed God, got out of cooperation with him, and it's called the fall of man. The pre-fall glory was now obscured by all this darkness, and God said, because he's just, look, if you sin in dying, you shall surely die. The result of sin is death, eternal separation from God. God did not want humanity to die and go to hell for eternity. God loved the world so much, He said, I'm gonna promise a rescuer will come and he will die in the fullness of the times and he will die for all people. God desires no one to perish, but all to have everlasting life. And He wanted us to have abundant life. The Zoe, it says in the Greek, high quality life. Hesed is His mercy, it's His loyal, obligatory love. I've noticed this in my marriage. Some things you just do, not just because of a whim or because you feel like it. You do it out of commitment or what you would call duty. Not like it's a drudgery. It's a privilege when you think about it. You get to spend your life with somebody serving them. It says in the book of Romans uh, about Christians, what we're really called to do is try to outdo one another in showing honor, there's so little honor in our world right now that people don't even understand what honor is. We're in an honor-based system where we honor the Lord. We honor him with our praise and worship. We honor him with our tithes and offerings. We honor him with our gifts and our sacrifices. And then in amongst us, we, we let the love of the brethren continue. I love the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ. I love churches. I love the church world. I pray for the saints all around the world. The ones like me and the ones that aren't like me. Because it constitutes the body of Christ globally. And I'm believing God for the great plan of God to come to pass. I love the lost. I'm praying for the world and interceding for the ones that won't pray. That dismiss God. Because I know their potential. Why? Because they're made in God's image. They're made in God's image and they're made because he made them. For his pleasure he made them. He loves the nations. He loves the people groups. He loves all the world. He loved the world so much he sent Jesus. Here we are on a Sunday morning, called with an everlasting calling, drawn to the presence of the Lord where there's really help, real help, real focus, the details of the Word of God. Let's go to a couple of scriptures. I want to I go to Isaiah 51 and just show you something amazing. Isaiah 51 and then 1 Peter chapter 1 and then chapter 2. Isaiah 51. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you want to see God's will come to pass in your life? We, ought, we do. We want to do that. Let's just read this. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock which, from which you were hewn. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And to the quarry from which you were dug. Now, This is Isaiah speaking to ancient Israel about Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of their faith. Jewish religion is an Abrahamic religion. So is Christianity. It's rooted in Abraham and Sarah's obedience. Abraham made a covenant with God and has said with God. Abraham was obedient and faithful to God. But I'll tell you, God was the precedent setter. He was the faithful one. And Abraham had assurance and he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness because God's believable and because he's reliable and he's so worthy of our our focus. His life, what he provides really is anchoring for our lives. We're not just in some sort of fantasy experience, embracing some sort of religion just to cope with the difficulties of life. He does give us coping skills, but this is the rock upon which we stand. He's the rock of our salvation. The reason this building didn't fall apart when it flooded, because it had hundreds of millions of pounds of water shoot through it. But all it it did was just make it dirty. Because these pillars go down to the bedrock, people. And and the winds blew and the waters crashed, and God delivered us. Because we're in a house that is built upon the rock. Look at the rest of this verse. Listen to people pursuing righteousness. Look to the rock. Look to the rock that is higher than you. Another verse says, Jesus is the rock that, that bespeaks of solidity, that, dis, that speaks of trustworthiness, of reliability, of anchoring, faithfulness. God is the bedrock. His word is the foundation. Jesus is the trustworthy person who never lies, who is faithful to the end, faithful to a thousand generations. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was but one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. That was Abraham. God, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. God has a plan. He knew you'd respond. He set up a purpose, a series of divine things for your life before you that's unique to you. There are no two of us alike, no two snowflakes are alike when these crystals form. None in the world, in Amsterdam, or in London, or in St. Louis, or in Houston, Texas, which they hardly have snow, but when they do, it forms quick and then it goes away. But they're never the same. Fingerprints, hold your hands out. No fingerprints are the same. Your irises, pull out one eye, look at the other eye. No, no irises are the same. Well, that must mean God is very, very, very creative. Do you know there are thousands of species of ferns? Why would God do that? Because God is the creator. And he's very, therefore, creative. And then when you find Ephesians 2.10 that you're God's workmanship, you don't want to compare with other people. You don't want to compete and see whose social media is prettier than the other person's. You don't want to compare yourself with somebody else because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And it doesn't make you prideful. It makes you confident. It helps you to stand with godly, healed, whole esteem. God loves me. God values me. God loved me so much, apparently from what the Bible teaches, that he would send his son Jesus And pre-planned this beautiful rescue. That if the evil spirits had really understood what was going on, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But God in his infinite wisdom, because this is the way he's designed it, has decided that he wanted a group of people that were made in his image and made like him, that he would treasure and love. That he would empower that would walk with him and implement his authority that he delegates to them in prayer, speaking out boldly the word of God, carrying the good news message of hope and salvation in Jesus, laying hands on the sick so they would recover, believe in God for countries not to go to hell, cities not to go to hell, whole households not to go to hell, but for whole households to be saved. You won't hear me preach condemnation. I don't water down the gospel either. It's good news because of how harsh it is outside of Jesus. There's no hope without God. Hell is a real place that must be avoided. And this is why it's such a significant, wonderful, good news message. And this is why I'm going to be a preacher of good news. People that are seeking righteousness, look to the rock from which you were hewn. We are hewn from the rock. We're made in God's image. Look at that. Somebody said to me yesterday, don't you want to do ancestry and figure out your ancestry? No, because I looked in the Bible and I traced back to Adam and Eve and then to God. I got it all figured out all the way to the beginning. And probably between there and here, it got a little weird. Maybe I don't want to know some of that stuff. Maybe I don't want to know some of that stuff. You know, well, The bad news is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We slump over. But Jesus is the resurrection and life. That's the opposite of slumping. Lift up your heads. Lift up your hands and hang down. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. The good news about this is that it's genuine news. It's not fake news. It's good news. It's real. Jesus is the way. The truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And yet, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say this with me. God is good. God is powerful. God is present. That's why Paul said to the Roman Empire, here's a guy comes out disheveled from Jerusalem. Sandals, robe, you know, five o'clock shadow. And I feel like I'm called to the Gentile world. All my Jewishness. Now this is pre-planned that God wants to spill this covenant blessing from the Jewish people where it was all concentrated to all these lost generations and all these lost souls in the Gentile, non-Jewish world, the goyim, people who were not in a covenant, that were all alienated and separated, outcast, having no hope, without God in the world, idol, idolatry, hedonism, craziness, counterculture, bohemian weirdness. And he says, Rome, I've been trying to get to you, and I've been prohibited from it. I want you to know I've been trying to get there. He says, I'm so excited to get to go to you eventually. He targeted a people group, an empire. One guy who had a turnaround on the road to Damascus. He was one of the meanest commentators you would see on cable. He was critical, harsh, judgmental. He wanted to stop Christianity in its tracks because he regarded it as false. Breathing insults against the people of God. Murder. Dragging people out of their houses. He was not a pretty man. In fact, he said, I am the foremost of sinners. We gild him as the St. Paul because he is now St. Paul. But he says, I was the chief of sinners. I don't deserve any of this. I'm a testimony of how God could take a messed up person and make them righteous by the grace of God as a gift. He said, I tried to do it in my Jewishness. I tried to do it in my academics. I tried to do it in in my prominence, my Roman citizenships. All the pedigree I had, I count as nothing compared to one millisecond of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Jesus said before he died in his priestly prayer of John 17, he said, And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I'm on a quest this year, you guys, for breakthrough for all of your lives. That, that knowing, growing, showing, and going will be a hallmark, will be integrated into the very fiber of our experience and our existence and our being. You as individuals possess the DNA imprint of the creator. You're created in God's image. Do you understand this? Yeah, and you're created for God's purposes. And God has purposed to display himself through a people. He did it with Abraham and Sarah. That's why when he said to the Jews, look at Abraham and Sarah, so for Christians, we're not off the hook because all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for all of us, for equipping. The things that were written in earlier times were written for our instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. I get completely encouraged by Abraham and Sarah. I did when I was 19, 20, and I do now. Because of the possibility and result of someone staying connected with a faithful covenant-keeping God. God's purpose is not being thwarted. Seeming divine delays and challenges and faith battles along the way. Nevertheless, Isaac was birthed. And then Jacob, who became Israel, who became a nation. And just in these recent times, God has brought the dispersed Jews, just like he foretold throughout prophecy after prophecy in the Hebrew Scriptures that one day they'll all return. And in our lifetime, we're seeing literal biblical fulfillment. And it's fascinating, these end times that we're in. I've never pastored a church in the end times like we are now. I feel, even though we have started in 1988, like I'm actually just getting started. I am so enthusiastic about this. Not because my mind's wired up or I'm hyped up or I've been to a bunch of conferences. I've just been looking in the Bible. I've been spending time talking to how faithful God is. I've noticed the level of spiritual attack that has come on us the last 20 years or so. And I think, well, just some of these gauges will tell me we're on something big. Breakthrough. So we could know him and the power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Why? In order that we might, might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that we've already attained it or have already been made perfect or fully mature. We're on a growing potential. We're on a growth potential. I want to know him better. See, I, I got married to Patsy. We didn't know each other real well. We dated for a while. We were friends. We courted. We got married. We, we became we, we newlyweds. We just, you know, we're a few decades into this thing now. I am fascinated by her. I want to get to know her. I love the church. I'm married to Jesus. And I'm part of, integrated in the church. I'm just enamored by what God has planned for the church. For our church, our local church. And for the body of Christ all over the world. I'm believing God for such, his kingdom purposes to come to pass. Because he's good, I, I know it'll happen. Because he's powerful, I know it'll happen. Because he's present, I know it'll happen. I'm confident. And that's why it says, you guys that are pursuing righteousness, pursuing the Lord, look to the rock that you came off of. You're made in God's image. And God is awesome. Our God is an awesome God. He's mighty. He's holy. Our God is a consuming fire. I'm fascinated by the sun and stars and what they're made of and how hot they are. And how they just burn and glow and provide sunlight and they cause vegetation to flourish. You know, it's it's cool. But it pales in comparison. They're little bitty little blips compared to the fiery, beautiful, holy, amazing nature of our God. Look at this. We are to look at the rock from which we're hewn, the quarry from which we're extracted. And then it says, look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain when he was but one. I called him, then I blessed him, and multiplied him. It's fascinating about our church, year in, year out, decade in, decade out, the ebbs and flows of things. But living things grow, and we keep growing. We're growing up in all aspects in him. It says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says we're to grow up and mature. We're on, we're our whole life. We're to be life learners. We're to keep growing. We're to keep learning. We're to keep practicing. We're to keep preparing just in case God has something big for you. Somebody built me a Noah's Ark model and put a motor in it and then challenged me to a boat race. And he put a little plaque on there and he went and got little letters and he printed it up. Take good care of your body. God may call you to do something big when you get older. I thought that's pretty cool. Made me want to do some push-ups eventually. (laughs) I've got 1 Peter chapter 1 and then we'll finish. 1 Peter chapter 1. Hallelujah. The Lord gave Pastor Patsy the scripture years and years and years ago. She said, I I don't know why he did this, but he said, verse 22 through 25, it says, since you you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Can I tell you what one of my goals is for our church? That we be loving. This is how, but some people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. That's unscriptural. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love, have love for one another. There is some assembly required. And God throws us into a box like a like a herd of porcupines. We've got quills. Our quills are all up. We're like, hi. And it's cold out in the world, so we enjoy the warmth inside there, but then we back into each other. We stick each other with each other's quills. And then this is how they'll know we're Christians, that we have love for one another. That's why I hate dissension, division. I hate it. I hate the sower of discord among the brethren. I hate it. The Bible says God hates it. Strife of tongues, murmuring, fault finding. Why not get over in a place where you're so saturated with the, the rock of our salvation and who you got chipped off of? You know all the diamond mines in South Africa? I had a friend who was involved with the diamond industry in the 70s. And he, in order to pay his way through Bible school, carried diamonds. And he would sell them through the course of the year. And he carried them in his pocket in a piece of tissue paper. And he would pull them out. And he, he wasn't showing off, but he, he just he just took care of them. And he, he would open them up. And I mean, one looked like half of a doorknob. And it was... It was crystal clear, it didn't have any occlusions or anything, it was just, and it was bright. You know, what little I knew about it, it was like, yeah, this is a good one. This'll pay for my next school year. It's like, wow. And I thought about how people dig through all this dirt and just to find and extract one of these amazing hard crystals that humanity has valued. But some things are of a greater value. The Bible says the spiritual man appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no man. The value, the inestimable value of the rock from which we're hewn, the quarry from which we're dug. God will dig through the dirt to find a soul that will identify with him. God will respond to your prayer. Hallelujah. Listen, it says, For you were born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Want to know the reason I keep preaching the word to you? Because I'm mandated to preach the word. It says in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. I am determined to see the purposes of God come to pass in my lifetime and in my generation. I'm determined to be at it so Fervently, that even as I'm dying, if Jesus doesn't come back in my lifetime, that I will be in the middle of a prayer, a project, an encouraging word, a sermon, or some other type of thing, binding devils and loosing the plan of God to come to pass. Figuring out how to feed people, figuring out how to overturn the darkness of the world and offset its evils. Then it says, like newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. You may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted in the kindness of the Lord. Who in here has tasted the kindness of the Lord? The Lord's, Say this with me. The Lord's been good to me. Good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Coming to him as to a living stone. A living stone. There's a church in town named Lively Stone. And I just love that name because it's in the Bible. And I had, I've, I've had a couple of visions in my life in the 1970s. I saw the body of Christ from the neck down and I knew it was Jesus because of the outstretched hands and the way that it was set up. And I, as I was looking, the body was glowing. It was glorious. But then I looked closer and there were rows of stones. in South America, the, the archaeologists have found walls that were hewn where the rocks are so precise. They don't even need mortar. And they've been standing for millennia. Jesus has built us and we're living stones and we're held together. Jesus is rejected by men, but he's choice and precious in the sight of God. I saw a film by a director who's an avowed atheist and in the, in the script writing, the name, the name Jesus Christ was thrown in there, but not as a yearning for, to his lordship or honoring of his name, but as a dismissive cuss word. I thought, well, you cheapen and reject the name that's above every name. For those of us who know him, It's that name upon which there's no other name. He's given us that name. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Everybody say Jesus with reverence. Jesus. Say Jesus again. Say Jesus is Lord. Say Jesus is the Lord of my life. Say Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, he's the chief cornerstone and we're chipped off the old block. It says Behold, I lay in Zion, Uh, verse 6, a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this has become the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were appointed. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. That King James says, showing forth the praises of him. We're going to know him, grow in him, show forth his excellencies. And as we go, we preach this gospel of the kingdom. We're informed about how good God is. We know who our rival is. And in the name of Jesus, we have authority. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. We have a power to bind and loose. We have the power of prayer. We have the power of agreement, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word. He says, he called you into this out of darkness and into this marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter would have understood, mercy as has said, this is in Greek, but they understood from the Hebrew understanding. They spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. They had to learn Greek because of that that was the commerce language of the time, because of the Greco-Roman op- oppression. They understood God's loyal, obligatory love that endures forever. You know, God, the faithful God is here right now, present. He's powerful, He's good. He's present to help you. He'll dissolve cancer cells. He'll open up arteries. I have a friend who had not one, but two blood clots disappear out of his body. And he tells me he's not a believer. Well, I'm a believer and I'm going to pray and intercede for those who don't pray. I'm going to stand for those who, until they get the revelation. In fact, let's all, having done all to stand, let's stand. We were once not a people. But now we're the people of God. Throw your shoulders back and your head up. Say this with me, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. I stand on the word. I pray in faith when I share the gospel, even if people act like they ignore it. The gospel is the power of God. It has a powerful penetrating ability To do a great work in a person's life. I am born again of the incorruptible seed of God's word. Put your hands on your heart. Lord, I pray, because you're good, because you're powerful, because you're present, you will impart something big in each one of these lives. Shake off the heaviness, deliver us from carnality and apathy and complacency. Help us not to procrastinate. Help us to press in. And I pray the blessing of God on everybody here in Jesus' name. God bless you as you go. Have a great day. Thank you for being here. I love you guys.